This is a Grand Slamming Padres podcast featuring Dom DeRosa to talk about your San Diego Padres. What is good, Padres Nation? I gotta say, it's a good, good day right now. A relief to not have to talk about the offseason for another set, another series. Let's hope we don't have to until November uh, rolls around. So this is a uh, special episode. If you're pretty relevant with the show, comes out every Friday morning. However, in this situation, we have it early this week, and we're ready. I want to get this out there. I got a blog just out there on the whole Mets recap and what to expect with the LA Dodgers, and now we're facing the LA Dodgers. What a series for the second time after 2022 years ago doing the best of three wild card. Go figure, the Padres and Mets are the one to only go best of three, while the other three series go sweeps. Two games. Uh, The Philadelphia Phillies coming out on top, surprisingly, to some people. 2-0 on the St. Louis Cardinals, so that is officially the end of Albert Pujols. Much kudos there. Yadier Molina, kudos to him as well. And most likely, 99% sure, Adam Wainwright. So, the big trio right there. What careers that they had. So shout out to them. Uh, the Phillies move on. They made a huge comeback in their series in game one. Pulled all that momentum into game two. And the Padres, of course, go best of three. I can't wait to talk about that with you guys because, man, it's great. The Guardians beat the Rays uh, with the dominant pitching and including a 15-inning game until a walk-off homer set the, the Guardians to a date with the Yankees. And then the Seattle Mariners turning the page, a Cinderella story potentially in the making, beating up the Toronto Blue Jays in Rogers Center, no less, and having a huge comeback after the Blue Jays were up 8-1 at a time in the game. So it ain't over till you get 27 outs, people. That's the beauty about this sport. There is no timer, no buzzer, no nothing until next year when there's the whole pitch clock BS and everything. So that yeah, let's enjoy it for now. Um, but anyway, yeah, getting to our game that we want to talk about here. The San Diego Padres, we're underdogs, man. We're like the Philadelphia Eagles when they won their Super Bowl in the NFL. We are underdogs. Everyone had the Mets, Mark DeRosa. We share the same last name, but like, come on, man. He had the Mets. People were so confident in New York City Field. Oh, it's cold. Like, come on. Oh, big whoop. I hear this with every sport. It, it's cold, you know. A warm team in a warm atmosphere cannot handle the cold. Dude, it's it's not that bad. Game two that I went to was pretty cold. But, yeah, once you're playing, once you're pitching, you're running around the field and stuff, you're fine. You're fine. So that was already a factor, in quotes, I put in the game. Uh The Mets, here's another one, right? Everyone had the Mets because the Mets have the starting pitching. Oh, they got Jacob DeGrom, Cy Young winner, right? He's probably going to leave anyway, so it's going to be pretty funny. Uh, You got Max Scherzer, going to be a Hall of Famer, Cy Young winner. He started game one, right? Oh, 
oh, we don't even need the Grom in game two because it's going to be a sweep. We could just go Batsy, right? Yeah, that, this is all the things we're hearing, right? Pisses you off like it does me. And then here I am, not trying to be biased as a fan, but to just be as real as possible. Picking the Padres in three games, and I even said whoever wins the first game is going to take the third. Did I not? I said this probably on the podcast. My friends can definitely say that I said that too. Trying to be a realist here. Because everyone was talking about how good the Mets pitching was. But what about the Padres? I mean, you had you Darvish who just won NL September Pitcher of the Month. He has been electric. Blake Snell has had a dominant second half of the season. In which game two, yeah, he was not good at all. But hey, we could still say we have Blake Snell. And we know what he has done to this upcoming L.A. Dodgers team in the past. And then no-no Joe. No-no Joe. In which that game was an earful (laughs) to listen to from Mets fans after the game because they were so butthurt. But look, everyone was talking about the Mets pitching, their bullpen. In which, listen, I'm going to be real here. Their bullpen, it's Edwin Diaz who's probably going to leave too. And then really kind of who else? Alvarado, yeah, but I don't even think he was in the series, so don't even think he pitched. Adovino, all right. The Padres' bullpen has been phenomenal. Robert Suarez, Josh Hader has been excellent now, and we finally got to see him, right? Uh, uh, Luis Garcia. I mean, come on now. I mean, come on. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And the fact that... You had guys and experts all picking the Mets. I mean, I mean, it was like, out of 31 experts, it was like 27, maybe even more, going all the Mets route because they were at home. But here's what I said. Besides the pitching matchup being the same thing, being pretty even on paper, the Padres could not hit at home. So why not take it on the road in which they also were 4-2 and two against the Mets this season? No one wants to talk about that. No one does. And listen, the Mets offense, yeah, it's got its, its glitz and glamour, but it's I never thought of it as being that good. Really, I'm not being a hater. I'm not. But Lindor, I don't think he's a superstar like the, like the media tries to tell him. I really do like Pete Alonso. I think he was easily the dangerous hitter. Stalling Marte has had a good career. Uh, good career numbers against the Padres and stuff like that. Yeah. But, like, hyping up Daniel Vogelbacks, it's like, come on, Mark Canna, serviceable, but nothing great. And it doesn't take superstar power. It just takes time to get hot, significant at-bats here and there. Great pitching. That's all it takes. That's really all it takes. And that's what the Padres did. Two out of the three games, and which we're going to go through them. I think we all know it happened. It was hard not to watch because it's the playoffs. But I'll give you my take on this as well. I mean, game one, everyone's drooling over Max Scherzer. And I'm going to give a lot of credit right here. Justin, if you're listening to this, kudos. Hope you're doing well, bud. Uh, huge Washington Nationals fan since the... for. For his whole life. And he knows Max Scherzer. Like we all know Joe Musgrove at this point. We know who's going to dominate. We know everything about it. We know their mentality. My friend Justin. Game one's starting. And he's like. Don't worry. 
Scherzer is going to give up a first inning home run to you. I'm like, all right, you really think so? And I was going to even say, like, yeah, Scherzer, and keep in mind, Scherzer and DeGrom have had a last couple rough starts before this postseason. And also keep in mind the Mets' 10.5 game lead downfall that led them to face the Padres, even though they won 101 games and lost the whole series tiebreaker to the Atlanta Braves, who got hot at the right time. And that's why I didn't want to face the Braves. So there you go. There you go. There you go, everybody. Don't cherry-pick your opponents. That is why. You're a talented team. Face it. Act like it. Anyway. Anyway. So I was like, all right, we'll, we'll see where this is going. I think it was... It might have been the first pitch, but it was really early in the game where the leadoff hitter in Jerkson Profar, who has been phenomenal this season, taking over for the absence of Fernando Tatis Jr., at least in the batting lineup side of things, uh, roped a base hit. And it was like, oh, cool. I mean, Soto struck out. And I was like, all right. Manny flied out to left. And then Josh Bell comes up, in which Josh Bell has had much success against the Mets, especially a lot of time with the Nationals in that same division. Had a lot of success. And Josh Bell comes up. Here's what I'm going to say. This is good that our superstars didn't have to carry us through. On the hitting side, right? Because players who have struggled in the regular season for us are stepping up in the big moments. That's what matters most. A race, I don't care how good you are, you win MVP in the regular season. It's back to 0-0 once that postseason starts. So a race, everything in the past, and you start with a new clean plate at the buffet, and you're going right in. So Josh Bell, who has struggled big time with us, we're all, you know, complaining on Twitter and stuff. Yeah, it's frustrating. It's costing us some games here and there. But at the same time, now he's getting the hot shillelagh going. So, hey, so be it. In fact, he opened things open. He had the floodgates open right away with a two-run homer. Opposite field, he pimped it. He knew it. I was like, is that gone or is that like a double? And it just carried it. It just, it, it, it was not landing. Uh, so it was an absolute bomb. And one thing I noticed before this all happened, let's reverse all the way back from Jerks and Profar to Manny Machado, the first three batters before we get to the cleanup. What I noticed was two things right away. If you know Max Scherzer really well, he likes to throw his cutter. He was avoiding that for a little bit. He barely threw any cutters in the game. And another thing that I noticed was right away, we were fouling off a lot of pitches. We weren't like swinging at thin air, anything like that, whether it was in the zone, out of the zone, his change up, his slider. Scherzer was really just hittable our bats were being swung like oars on in the box so that was one thing I noticed and I I said it I said to my friend Mark I said we're gonna hit Scherzer tonight and then Josh Bell opened things up just like that I was like all right here we go two nothing you Darvish has a comfortable lead we know how much he can excel especially with a lead already before you even step on the mound and it was like all right we got this now you get in Scherzer's head the city field crowd that was coming in hot, desperate for something due to the fact that they lost their division, quiets down just a little bit. It's not a good start. And then next thing you know, my MVP of this whole wild card race, I will take back all the slander just like any of you folks out there. Please, Trent Grisham, I'm sorry about everything and I love you. 
yeah, I love you for the way you made that defensive play in Game 3, for the way you have hit back-to-back home runs in this series against two Cy Young winners. I can go on. The, the base hit that brought in another run in Game 3 off Bassett. Uh, Grisham, I'm very sorry. Um, listen, he has a starting job in the majors because of his defense. So that's why he's still playing out there in the center every day. I'm sure he's hearing about the rumors about Fernando Tatis Jr. coming back and potentially playing in center field. Right? Because Haskell Kim has led our team in defensive runs saved at shortstop. He's been more than excellent. Over there in the six hole. So who is the odd man out here? Tatis has seen action in center field, right field, outfield, you name it. Just outfield. We got Juan Soto in right. We got Jerickson Profar who has been very solid as a switch hitter. Especially with his plate discipline in left. Trent Grisham, if you're batting 184 in the regular season, you're going to be the odd man out here. So this has been a problem for Grisham. Dating all the way back to like July of last season, where he has just hasn't been hitting the same. He's not roping the ball, striking out. Really, really been horrible against the fastballs this year. And Trent Grisham just stepping up, trying to keep his job here, rather than being either a fourth outfield option or being trade bait, being dealt. Because listen, I want to see Tatis at shortstop. I would like to see Hassan Kim play more too here and there. But I'm going to be real, as much as I still like Kim, and I actually do have respect for him, I think he'd be a great bench piece. I do. you got to have an important bench, pinch hitting, things like that. Because what if we re-sign Drury? What if we somehow do bring Josh Bell back, and then Cronenworth still stays second? got to think of these things. <laughs> Try and get J.D. Martinez, etc., etc. Or maybe even Kim's the DH here and there. But you want to value his glove as well. Tatis is meant for the infield. Most of the game is mental. He'll get back into the swing of things, I'm sure. I'm very positive. Anyway, going back to Trent Grisham, I apologize. Going back to Trent Grisham, he just hasn't been the same hitter, everything like that. However, his glove and in the plays that this guy still makes has had him keep an everyday job in center field unless Jose Azucar somehow starts there or makes a substitution in right field center field sometimes here and there. Yeah. So the things that won this Padres series was two. Two things. Wrote this in the article. If you haven't read it and you just want to listen to me, by all means, thank you. Number one, dominant pitching, whether it was the starting rotation or the bullpen itself. Carried all the way through. Only had to use Josh Hader, our closer as well, for one game in which we really didn't have to use him. It was more, in fact, about just getting his arm loose because it's been six or seven days since he pitched. Number two, the role players stepping up. Jerickson Profar, Young Kim, Josh Bell. He has not been as good, of course, as he was with the Nationals. And Trent Grisham, Austin Nola, who started all three games here, had some nice key hitting, especially in game three. So it was the those guys that really stepped up rather than Manny Machado, who has really carried this team all year, Juan Soto, who has been figuring things out, and everything like that. So much, much credit right there to the role players in every which way. Grisham, I mean, I, I, went, I went driving for a second too. So when I was driving, it was 2 nothing, and I had my sister 
read me on the MLB app real quick before I can get service, the play-by-play. And then she's like, Alonzo struck out swinging, uh, looking, looking. And uh, I was like, wait, what? I look at the replay. I'm like, he got looking at that and didn't swing. So we got to have a big jam there. And when I turn the game back on, I just missed Grisham's home run to put us up 3 nothing. And then I'm watching the game. We're just dealing on Scherzer, hitting him left and right. Profar, the pitch before his homer, puts one just foul. Just foul. Next pitch, boom. Fair ball in the right field. It was just beautiful. That opened the floodgate 6 nothing, And then Manny Machado, two batters later, hit a bomb. A fastball that Max Scherzer just wasn't feeling. In fact, he said it in his post-game conference. And then that's when the booze roared. As Scherzer was getting taken out, you might as well grab the cane, put it around his waist, and yank him out that game. Whew, it was not pretty. The only run that Hugh Darvish surrendered was a solo bomb to Eduardo Escobar. And he 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 has also had good success against San Diego, so kudos to Escobar. He's a good, gritty player. But man, we look good. Hugh Darvish lasted seven innings, only let, it gave up six hits. No walks, four strikeouts. He got away with a couple of hangers. He did. But at the end of the day, you didn't know what he was throwing. I didn't. He was either throwing 94 or 95 gas at you or a 67-mile-per-hour curveball that got you looking and got you a little dizzy. So you, Darvish, was in his prime. I, 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 I'm happy, man. Game one, it's like, all right. If I had my word on it, and I was like, whoever wins game one wins game three or game two. So be it. Moving on to game two. Of course, a loss is not fun to talk about at all, especially when it's a do or die game within the next game. However, I would like to give you guys my insight. It was the morning of, in fact, the night of, the night before, after our win. My buddy Mark is like, hey man, you should strongly consider going to the game because I'm in the East Coast as we currently speak. City Field's 215, two and a half from me, like including traffic. So I'm like, eh, all right, I'll think about it and everything, but it's the playoffs. Never been to a playoff game in any kind of sport, you name it. But at the end of the day, I'm like, you know what? Let me check the tickets out. I go on Ticketmaster. Cheapest of like 114. I'm in the it's it's the morning of by the way, and I'm like damn. So I go on StubHub. Here's my, here's what I'm thinking. I did this in San Francisco with Mark, so I I was like let's let's do it here too. I don't like as much as I love going to baseball games. I don't like having to be stuck in my seat, get up for the person here and there, have to go move, go do this. I don't know. It's just a little uncomfortable, and I never been to City Field, so I was thinking. Why not buy the cheapest tickets to get in City Field? Get to check it out, tour it around, which I did. Great ballpark. Really, really nice. Colorful. Uh, City Field keeps it nice. And with that, you can kind of walk around, check out from anywhere, go to the bars here and there, the little spots, the go-to spots, and just watch the game from there. You stand or you sit on a little ledge for a couple hours. Doesn't hurt. We ended up in our seats for the most of the game anyway, which they weren't bad at all. We were really high up, but you got to see all the action and all the players pretty clearly. Uh, 
it was it was great. So that morning of, I said, you know what? Screw it. My buddy Matt is a huge Mets fan. Huge. And an elimination game, I'm like, he's been there before and I haven't. Why not just on a Saturday while I'm working, I'm like, you know what? I can call out today. I can I can try and see what I got here. Once I saw the tickets, I, I, I'm, I'm calling Matt. Boom, 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 boom. He said, you know what? Let's go. Let's do it. Go to his house. We go there together. I, despite the loss, it was so cool, man. It was epic to see a postseason game. I mean, it's like if you ever play MLB The Show and you see all the fans ringing the towels around in circles, standing up when there's two outs or two strikes in the count, that's literally what happened. You couldn't even stay in your seat. It was an exercise. You had to get up here and there, do this, cheer the team on, and it was fun. As much as I was... Rooting for the Padres, it was freezing, right? So it was cold, um, but I bundled up, had a nice little hoodie on, and then what I did was I had to wear the Manny Machado alternate jersey, so we put that right over it, had the Padre hat on too, of course, so we were representing. Now, as much as we were representing, I was in more of the uh, Mets section where they were, let's say, getting a little tipsy and drunk, so there was some... Not so nice things being said, but all good laughs on my end. Every time Padre fans would get up or move around, there was a bunch of boos that would roar. Uh, some Met fans were joking with me saying, you better stay in your seat. <laughs> That's going to happen to you. They were really kind. They were really funny and everything. Um, so yeah, the Mets fans I was around were really cool in that atmosphere. And I did not get booed. I did not. In fact, I actually shook a guy's hand after the loss and said, hey, whoever wins, may the best man win. Be LA for, for me if you guys advance. So he said, not a problem, but sorry, buddy. That's now our job to do. Uh, but game two was great. Despite everything, uh, Blake Snell gave up six walks. He just wasn't having it. And I saw that right away. Because right away, on the first batter, just nitpicking the strike zone is the way I like to call it. And I love, I love what Snell has done, man. Just, just not this. Not this recent start. It's, it's you know, it's tough because the Mets have such good plate discipline, just like us, and everything like that. But I really wish I saw them close it out. And, of course, in person, I did not get to see that game three, except was really something else as well. But, hey, here's what else I noticed. All right. We're going to go through both. Both teams. Because we have to. Um... Mets fans really do know their baseball. They do. They know how bad they can be, their history. Uh, yeah, they do. So, one thing I'll go, and then we'll shift back to the Padres, is that when the Mets were up 7-2, to two, Buck Showalter comes in and says, hey, let me bring in Edwin Diaz, which everyone, including myself and my buddy Matt, were like, what is he doing? Your closer? Who just, what's the point? Edwin Diaz comes in, goes over in third, I think an inning in two-thirds, and we're an inning in one-third. There's 28 pitches. All right. Kind of wasted his stamina there. Then comes in, gets, gets a little bit more guys in there. And it, that was one confusing part. Another thing I noticed, and this is when I knew the game was lost, as much as I like Adrian Morejon, the minute he came in, I was like, all right, I know what Bob Melvin's doing here. He's going to save our best arms for tomorrow. Because 
it was a tough situation. Morajon couldn't get an out. Next thing you know, he's walking batters left and right, no outs. Jeff McNeil singled, really flooded the gates open. Nick Martinez, before that, gave up a shot, which I called live right before it happened, to Pete Alonzo. I'm very sorry. Um, that, instead of being 2-2 and tying the game with a Turkson profile, just fair ball, RBI, single, it put the Mets up right away again, 3-2, boom, 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 boom. All right, Nick Martinez comes in. He's being used over two innings plus. He's not coming in for game three. Adrian Morihon comes in. Steven Wilson comes in. It's the bullpen guys you're not thinking of in Robert Suarez, Luis Garcia, Josh Hader. It's not that. So it's like, all right, right when that happened, I was like, all right, he knows it's going to game three, and that's it. I knew right there from the sixth inning it was going to be a loss, unfortunately. Uh, in which, yeah, I have faith in my team, but at the same time, Melvin had to use the weaker side of things in this game, too, just to go on with the game. So that's one thing I also picked up on. But at the end of the day, Here's where I also was confident, even more confident about Game 3. Somehow, the Padres managed to make it interesting, and despite being down 7-2, Manny Machado walked with the bases loaded, bringing in a run, and Josh Bell, a power hitter and himself, the switch hitter, came up to the plate as a potential tying run. Did not happen, but hey, the Padres were threatening to tie the game. So after wasting Edwin Diaz, Adam Adovino was just crazy walking guys, I think he hit a batter. Next thing you know, it became this kind of chaos that the Mets were hoping to get that game, in which they did. As for game three, no better way to do it. El Cajon, San Diego himself. Why not get Joel Musgrove out there on the mound? And, ooh, versus Chris Bassett, in which, listen, I try to be as real as I can. I don't like to be biased. I really don't. But Chris Bassett... Even with the A's in the second half of that season that he had with the A's, he's a hittable pitcher. He is a little readable despite everything he has in the toolbox. And I just didn't see the Mets winning like that with Bassett on the mound. I did not. They had no choice but to go to DeGrom for Game 2 due to the fact that Scherzer's poor performance in Game 1. They had to use DeGrom as an emergency pitcher who was also average. It was great to see DeGrom first time ever seeing that. DeGrom was good. Not great. In fact, he was probably alright. Not good. But at the end of the day, the Mets won. Game 3, Bassett was getting hit pretty much instantly. In which the Padres wasted no absolute time here. And yeah, Austin Nola, who's had some nice hits here and there. But, you know, I've had my criticism on Nola in a respectful way. I take that back a little bit too because he brought us up. 2-0 2-0 right away. Trent Grisham, really nice hit up the middle, brought us up 3-0. Another single parade party with Manny Machado off David Peterson. And then Juan Soto put the cherry on top with two runs in the top of the eighth to make it a 6-0 eventual victory uh, in the long run. So, yet again, the role players are stepping up, especially in this game, even though Manny Machado and Soto recorded RBIs as well. Cronenworth's been real quiet in this series. Myers had some nice laser shots that were recorded, unfortunately, for outs. Brandon Drury only played in Game 2 that I went to and was quiet. So, Padres' younger guys, 
you know, bottom of the order especially, not just role players or more non-superstars, the bottom of the order with Trent Grisham, Nola, Kim walking a lot, stepped up tremendously in this series. Joel Musgrove, seven innings, one hit, one walk, five punchies, uh, and man, the game got interesting. I mean, the game was really interesting. Musgrove could have went even more, in my opinion. But of course, you got to be safe. You got to understand a Dodgers team is looking right at you. They're watching the game, probably. You want to go on a certain rest to where a Dodgers team, who is very good at taking pitches, even more than the Mets, are coming right at you. So, very good move right here by Mr. Bob Melvin himself. Suarez came in. Hader came in just to get the arms going uh, for Hader and Suarez. But this game got really interesting. In fact, it was an earful to hear all the backlash and everything from uh, Mets fans. Yeah. Bottom of the sixth. Buck Walter, former manager for Mr. Machado himself. He's out towards the first base side. Kind of staring at Musgrove, trying to get the umpires going. And I even said it right up there. Don't tell me he's going to check him. Don't tell me he's going to have the blue <laughs> blue check him. And yet, Musgrove kind of stares on over after kind of doing some warm-ups to get ready in that bottom of the sixth. And he couldn't believe it. The Mets crowd all drunk and everything or booing. Uh, Joel Musgrove, everything like that. Throw him out, get him out. You know, they're going to talk all this stuff. It made the Mets look desperate. It was honestly really funny. And I literally, right when that happened, said, you're really going to piss off Joel Musgrove and he's going to go off. And he did. He did. So Joel Musgrove has no hesitation. Everyone's like, oh, what is he wiping on his ear? All right, look, dude, it's sweat. If you think it's some kind of slippery thing, that's going to make the ball fly out of your hand and go into the seats. <laughs> you need a ball with more of a sticky substance rather than anything. That is sweat. That is buildup. That is no kind of sticky substance. Wiping your ear. He's sweating a lot. Relax. Okay? It's <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, it ju that just showed the Mets were desperate for absolutely anything. In which they couldn't buy a hit. Besides a Pete Alonso single and a Starling Marte walk. So, that pisses off Joe Musgrove right there. Instantly. Takes off the hat. Everything checks the hands. Umpire says, I need to feel your ears real quick. Feel my ears. Literally just rubs his ears. Nothing there. And then you're going to have these Mets fans criticize saying, oh, they let him get away with it. He still pitched. Okay. Wait, hang on a minute. I, I'm confused. Because what's the point then? And this also goes to Brian Kenny. Listen, Brian Kenny, great career and everything on MLB Network, but very disappointing to hear what he had to say, not taking the Padres' side of things. Thank you, Mad Dog Russo, for sticking up to the Padre fan base as well, sticking up for Joe Musgrove himself, because I'll say this. What is the point of checking these pitchers if, quote-unquote, the the umpires don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're checking. All right, then don't have them check. Then it's that simple. Dude, like, seriously, it's not rocket science. 
Okay, wow. I think we focus too much on RPM. I really do. I think it could be a good night. Just a confidence booster, anything. You just have that right feel of the baseball, and you're just cruising. You really are cruising. And that just, it's just stupid. It, it, it really is. It, it, it really is. So, at the end, Musgrove gets pissed off. He gets his ears checked. There's nothing there. And that these umpires are going to get criticized for not knowing what they do. Then don't check them then. Have the rule demolished. And just let pitchers do their thing. Because hey man. I'll just. Uh, <laughs> hey man. It's like these guys can't do anything now. Anyway. Musgrove. He's fine. Pissed them off. An absolute ton. And he went out there. This is the beautiful part. He strikes out Thomas Nito. Puts two fingers and wipes across under his nose. Basically saying a big F you to Showalter and the Mets dugout. Facing the Mets dugout. So that was great. Got a little bit of booze. He gets the final out. He stares down the Mets dugout again. And I think he says, excuse my language, like, you asshole. Towards Showalter and the Mets overall. Gets rained with booze. I think it's hilarious because Musgrove's now in his game, in his, in his bag for good. Because, in my opinion, if that was me, that just... Musgrove's even laughing. Manny's laughing as the time he's getting inspected. That just shows huh, the Mets are this desperate to try and find something on me because they can't hit me. That's how good I am right now. So that just shows the Mets are a bunch of babies, everything like that. Showalter, also a lot of respect for you. Sorry, pal. Yeah, I know you're probably getting feedback from the Mets organization with the the data and everything, but still. It's just unfortunate. So, uh, yeah, Joe Musgrove pissed off, and then one of the last things he does, he uh, flexes his ear a little bit by pointing it out with his hand, you know, bringing it out a little bit. So that was really funny. Gets rained with booze, and then Manny Machado, being our captain himself, says, let me hear him. Let me hear him. Bring him. Starts waving his hands out. Come on, can't hear you. Bring him in. Great stuff. That's what we emphasize over. We were the underdogs going into this series. Hate on us all you want because people hate the underdogs. That is what's going to make this team rise. Juan Soto, he likes to build off his own kind of presence, his own cockiness with the Soto shuffle. Keep building off that. Don't look at his regular season numbers. You get in pitchers' heads like that, boom, it's going. it's game over. It really is. So a pissed off Joe Musgrove and a pissed off Manny Machado was really fun to see because the Mets fans were just desperate to see any kind of roll him out, substitute him in kind of thing to bring some kind of life for the Mets bats. And that did not happen. So that did not happen. The uh, the guy that got the cute plus one million over Tatis Jr. and Francisco Lindor barely showed up besides a home run in the, the postseason. Really big hit wise. Uh, Max Scherzer, who you're paying the big bucks to, 40 plus million per year annually, gave up seven runs. What pisses me off is that we win a huge series and we can't even feel the great satisfaction without some kind of thing to kind of happen and spoil the moment. And that was that. Listen, we love it. It, hates, it makes us hate the Mets franchise even more now really does. Not the fan base, but the franchise itself. Just like the Mets can't stand them right now, despite 101 wins, look how it all happened, wild card, etc. It's just like, that was just, that was just unacceptable. 
But hey, at the end of the day, as underdogs, we won the series. We took it, and we're ready for what comes next. Every, despite the whole downfall, everyone still in the Mets. And now look, this Padres team is clicking at the right time. If you did not read my article, I'm going to say it here. It's not a matter of the best team going into the postseason. It's a matter of who the hottest team is going into the postseason. Let's take the Astros and Nationals for a hot second. Back in 2019, when Juan Soto won at the age of 19. The Houston Astros were the best team by far. But the Nationals, their hot streak all started with that Milwaukee Brewers Trent Grisham at the time. Error that helped the Nationals bring it back in, and it just went on from there. A big Howie Kendrick home run in the Dodgers series, right? Big hits, timely hitting, great pitching. We know how good the Nationals were with their pitching. That's all that did it. The Braves didn't have Acuna Jr., they still did it. Maybe it's a mix of the 2019 Nationals and the previous Atlanta Brave champions. We don't have Tatis. We have timely hitting coming aboard. We have great pitching. Maybe. You never know. That's why you play the postseason. You never know. Listen, listen. I know. The Dodgers have the best record. I know. They And kudos. We haven't won an NLDS game since going to the World Series back in 1998, getting past the NLDS. Last time we were in an NLDS, besides 2020 in the shortened season, was back in 2006 where we lost 3-1 to the Cardinals. Sucked. But you never know. Yeah, the Dodgers have broke franchise history. You win 111 wins, great. But that's all in the past. Postseason, you're 0-0. Zero zero. It's a whole new ball game. The Dodgers ain't stupid. At all. At all. It's just a matter of who gets hot. Because the Dodgers could have all that regular season success. And next thing you know, a division gives you some time off. You're a little bit out of your funk. And a Padres team who just had an accelerating series against the Mets... Comes in blazing hot. I'm just saying. I'm not trying to be criticism here. Because LA has been phenomenal. Dangerous hitters. Even though Trey Turner is going to probably leave this offseason. Sorry. Just almost uh, whacked my mic. Taking my frustration out right there. Anyway. We're getting to the point. Kind of getting towards the end. A little lengthy episode. But I knew that would be the case. What we do know. In this series. It's going to be a best of five. 2-2-1-1-1 format, so the Padres will be playing at home for the first time in front of a crowd since 2006 as well. Let's hope it's not an, an elimination game where, of course, three wins straight will call for elimination. Best of five, don't want that to happen. No mistakes can be made to LA, let alone in a best of five rather than seven series. No mistakes can be made. We lost back in the division series 3-0. To the Dodgers in 2020 in Arlington, Texas, under Jace Tingler and everything like that, despite the injuries that were occurring on this team at this time. I know, no excuses because listen, the Dodgers had injuries and look, still look what they did. Uh, they were unbelievable this year. But it's a different team coming into 2022. It is for both sides. Just crazy already. And we know the first two game matchups for the most part. What we do know, Mike Clevenger will be taking the mound for game one for the San Diego Padres, in which Clevenger was on the IL for a little bit of an illness. Didn't even know if we were going to get past the Mets and see him. So it's good that we're going to see him. 
He has been good, but he's been struggling sometimes. So let's hope he gets kind of some some productivity and he eats some innings. Clevenger can be good, but he can be hit too. So this game, you got to take one in LA, let alone both. You can't go down 2 nothing going into San Diego where we can't hit too well. I don't care how electric Pecco is going to be. You don't want that one bit. On the other side, Julio Urias is taking on the mound for the LA Dodgers. Former bullpen guy when it came to the postseason in 2020, got the save when the Dodgers won their World Series and everything, but he has been absolutely superb. Absolutely superb. So Julio Urias taking the mound, sitting at 17-7, and 2.16 ERA. Yeah, he's got some good stuff. Uh, a lefty in Julio Arias versus the righty in Mike Clevenger. We have not faced a lefty starter as of yet. What can happen here? Machado has had a good history against Arias. Can he step up like he has all regular season long? Or can the young guys, the the role players, start really carrying yet again uh, in this series as well? For game two, it's official now. You Darvish who is a Game 1 starter in the wild card, is taking on Clayton Kershaw, who is also a free agent this coming year, signed like a $17 million deal, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, he, he wanted to stay with LA. He might get more money. He might retire. Uh, he's been good despite the injuries. Kershaw, of course, a Hall of Famer, despite postseason struggles in the past. Every day is a new day. You got to take it like that. Can't think of the past too much. You Darvish... Has been excellent in his last start. And this past month of September through October alone. Continue with that authority in every which way. So big two games in LA. It's going to be ins- it's, it's going to be so exciting. <sighs> Could you imagine? Because guess what? It, it's not going to be that. It's not going to get any easier. Is what I like to say. Because whether you got to face the Braves or the Phillies. If you advance to the NLCS. It's going to be tough man. Gonna be tough. So, gotta wish us the best. Be prepared for a new blog on the upcoming Dodgers Padres series, whether it's before game one or maybe even after. I've just been a little bit busy. No more overtime as of right now with work, so that's also a good thing. Makes more time for you guys. Really glad I get to do this episode. New episode coming out Friday morning. That'll be right before the Padres' home debut in Petco. Hopefully, they're not down in that series and maybe hopefully they're up to nothing going into Petco in that series so just trying to close it out we'll have to see but guys we won against the Mets with all odds against us one last thing I want to note despite not me not wanting to say the numbers or you not wanting to hear them the San Diego Padres in 2022 are 5-14 and 14 against the LA Dodgers with a minus 62 run differential 47 score to 109 against that's a 267 win percentage. The worst out of all opponents this past regular season. So, yes, the past is the past, like I'm going to say. It's going to be in the back of your mind, but you got to go off keeping those swinging those hot surlalies, pitching excellent pitches, getting those sufficient outs. That's all you got to think about. Because if you play good ball, you could beat up a good team. You really can. So, let's hope for the best here. We're past one round. I don't want to talk about free agency and everything like that and have predictions just yet. So, 
Wish us the best of luck. Keep an eye out for all that content. Follow the Twitter at Grand Padres. I'm sorry. Wow. I forgot. I changed it. At Grand Slam Padres. One word right there. And everything like that. Put on those notifications too for any kind of tweets for the newest episodes, vlogs, and everything like that for content-wise. I will see you guys. Let's hope we're up in the Dodgers series. Coming out of Dodger Stadium. Let's get it.